0: Internet, Mike and Andy, Mandy, as uh, as we're known in some circles, uh, coming at you from the Vox World headquarters, Brea, California.
1: Mainly up at TMZ. Yeah, they, they call us Mandy.
0: Yep, and uh, the paparazzi's been out after us. Uh, I've been sunbathing. Um, uh, one of the things that I hear is a cure for melanoma is more sun, so i've been <laughs> um, I've been out just kind of shirtlessly uh, roaming around Brea. Um, the nice thing about living in Brea, though, is Uh, The Asian community in Brea really sets the standards uh, for sun care. (laughs) So when I'm driving around and I see people with like white gloves on in their car or like the big visors that come (laughs) down, you know, I'm like, okay. All right, these are my people. Yeah, I'm now. I'm now these people. It's it's a <laughs> it's a very beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: How's your uh, waving campaign going? Uh,
0: I am on a ruthless campaign um, to win my neighbors over via waving, and um, and right now it is very hit or miss. Um, <laughs> uh, they, I, I I've met several of them. Uh, I know them by name. We've, we've brought cookies over to some that we didn't know, but we heard they had surgery. So we've done two cookie runs. We're planning a third one uh, for next week. Um, and uh, But the waving, I mean, you've, you've witnessed some of this. Yes. There, there are three kinds of responses. One is the wave back, right? Mm-hmm. And even if it's just, uh, you know, even if there's a frown, there's still an acknowledgement. The other is, I didn't see you. Uh, Because we're trained not to look at people in California. And and then the third one is, I see you and I refuse to wave back. Yes. Now, there are some things that um, happen in our home that cancel out the goodwill derived from the waving, and, and what I mean simply is this: uh, Seth Erie um, escaped the other day,
1: <laughs> as he does,
0: and yep, and was he just had a shirt on, so he was pantless and underwearless, so he's buck naked from the waist down. He escaped uh, up to the neighbor's house and uh, knocked on their door. When they opened their door to see who it was, he ran inside and up the stairs. So, and this particular family has two little girls. I'm not sure how much they of Seth. They're really interested in seeing. And this happened so quickly, we didn't even notice he was gone. Okay, I had sent Hannah into the living room. Hey, check on Seth. Oh, he's right here. He's playing with his little floppy. That is not code for anything, although that thing that it would be code for is also played with quite a bunch, but he has this like little metal floppy thing that he, and so we thought he was safe. He was fine. We got doors and the al- alarms on the doors, but no. So the neighbors ring the bell um, as uh, also, you know, there are ping pong balls, um, soccer balls and basketballs usually in the gutters the around the neighborhood. Is is So, so all that is to say, Andy, it's a long answer to Moderately successful. It is moderately successful. (laughs) We're we're building towards something though, so we're we're trying to do a a bit of a cookout over the summer, which is uh, the strange phenomenon Californians don't. You know, they know they know when they have like their friends over, but in terms of like doing one for their neighbors. You know, yeah. I think um, I, I, we're still working up towards that.
1: I grew up with, like, block parties, like, in exactly. a cul-de-sac. Exactly. I, 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 I literally exactly. haven't been to one no. since I was, no. gosh, 12. Nope.
0: Not, nope. Because, um, yeah, people are weird now. So we're going to try it, Andy. You can hold me accountable. The podcast community, you can hold me accountable to sometime this summer um, uh, having a throwing a little shebang. And I don't yeah. know if it's like, hey, free hamburgers, come say hi. I don't know if we put bounce houses out. Um, I don't know how we're going to do this. We we, mm. we may do it in cahoots with some other neighbors who don't hate us, but we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, <laughs> enough it. about this, Andy. Love it. Enough about this. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Um, my brothers and sisters, today what we want to do is we want to spend... Uh, so, so we, we, we talk about issues that, you know, sometimes are very um, interesting to folks outside the faith. Sometimes they're interesting to folks inside the faith. Um, I want to talk a little bit, just because uh, I've been in the middle of, of a four or five month run of just blah, um, about, about what happens when you don't feel God's presence, what happens when God seems distant, what happens when God seems silent. Um, I, I want to talk just a little bit about some things I'm learning Hmm. um, in the middle of this. And, um, I didn't want to wait till it was like all beautiful and a big bow tie on it. And, you know, I wanted to be like, nah, this, I'm kind of in the middle of this thing, but I'm learning a lot. And this is stuff that, that obviously I was aware of before. Um, but, but I thought, because, because when we, when we ask, like, like in my, in my time with my wife, um, I don't need times in the wilderness to build intimacy with her. I don't need times in the desert, you know, metaphorically. Now, in the wilderness, I mean, but, yeah. but metaphorically, I don't need like like um, uh, times of distance mm. or times where she's not around, times of her felt absence to mm. grow near to her, correct? Yeah. But yet you have this deep spirituality, uh, this component of spirituality, at least in Christian terms, where there, there, there are these dry spells, there are these dark nights of the soul Um, what, (laughs) why, you know, is that just a function of us being weird? Is that a function of what God's doing? So, so that's what I, I kind of want to talk about. I want to talk about that time when let's say you, you are a follower of Jesus, you're a pilgrim along the way, but the Bible seems like dust. Prayer causes you more anxiety than it relieves. Mm. Not that I know anything about this, you know. <laughs> uh, church attendance, even at its best, is you know okay. But but now you know it's like ugh, even worse. Um, wh- why do we have those? Why do we have those times? In fact, the Bible, interestingly enough, doesn't shy away from these questions. It, it actually talks about something called the hiddenness of God. Um why does God allow us to feel his absence? We know he's everywhere, mm-hmm. but why is it that we don't always feel him? If he's if he's real and if he's everywhere, then how come we're not always feeling and aware of right. him being there? Yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, why, why, as a part of the journey of faith, do we have to go through times where it just feels like this? Like like, is there uh, w- what's the point of that? You would think if the Creator of the world invades my life, you know, I'd kind I'd kind of always be aware of it. Mm-hmm. That'd make a, a pretty big difference. So, uh, I want to just talk about that. And, and again, this, this is different. We believe that God is present everywhere. So that's called his omnipresence, Mm -hmm. right? There isn't one inch of the universe where God is absent. So in one sense, I mean, you can't talk about God's hiddenness because, you know, at least in the scriptures, I mean, he's everywhere. Um, But what we're talking about is the difference between kind of his general or universal presence and something called his manifest presence. Mm -hmm. When he manifests um himself in a in a way that people know oh god's there. I mean so in the you know in the old testament it was well here's this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire, this this um this thunder and lightning, you know, on top of the mountain this uh this b- bush that is burning, you know right? I mean there, there were there were right. these theophanies, theophanies uh which were physical manifestations of god. And so we know God can do that and manifest in those ways. Um, uh, why doesn't he always? Yeah. And, um, and, and even if he's everywhere, then why isn't, why isn't that just more obvious? Now, if you're outside the faith, that's a very interesting question, the hiddenness of God, right? So that question goes something like, okay, if, if my believing in God is so important as to determine whether or not I go to hell forever and burn... Why wouldn't God do more to ensure that more people believe in him?
1: Right. Now, if he's a
0: loving God, why wouldn't
1: he just interject? Be more obvious. Yep.
0: And, and that's a great question. That's not the question we're going to answer today. That's a different question. Mm-hmm. Today, I want to nuance it a little bit and say, okay, we're not... we're Because this question is asked by people who believe that God is real, who believe that God exists who believe that in some senses, God is obvious, right? If you look out your window and you see the universe and you see the beauty and the hunger for justice, you know, when you see all these echoes, like I do, of, of God's presence in the universe, it's more like, well, why why the dryness? Why the hiddenness? Um and 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 so when we're we're talking about this question, we're not asking is God real? We think He's real, and we're not asking has God left us or abandoned us? All right. So for for people who ask this, these are typically pilgrims and disciples, and um and and so you know if Jesus is true is is right, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right there, there isn't a sense in which we've been abandoned by God when we when we feel these dry times. That God right. is still with us. God is still in us. God is still around us. God is still love loving us. I mean, all of that sort of theology is presupposed and asking, well, if all that's true, then how come I don't feel him? Right. How come? How come I don't sense his presence more often? Nor um, are are we asking why is he is he more obvious to me? I mean, if we're already inside the faith. Um, um, you know, and, and we take the scriptures as some sort of authority. Then, then the announcement is he's perfectly obvious, right? From what has been made, has has been revealed. Mm-hmm. So, so we're not asking about any of those things. What we're asking is about his his, his seeming inactivity or undetectability, mm. right? I mean, we know he's invisible, so we're not wondering why he's invisible, right? He's a spirit, but we're wondering, okay, why why are there these seasons where it just is so freaking dry. In fact, one uh, one passage in Isaiah puts it this way, and I, I always thought this was interesting. It was right in the middle of this big sort of rant on how like awesome God is and how lame idols are that they can't do anything and they're ineffectual. And then the writer says this in Isaiah 45, um, right in the middle of this, uh, he reflects on this and says, oh, where is it? He says, um, dang it. <laughs> where, where does he say? He steps back and says in Isaiah 45 God, you have truly hidden yourself from us, mm-hmm. O God of Israel. Which is this kind of interesting you've hidden yourself. So you're talking to the God who's real and there and, and accusing God of hiding. Yeah. Right, right. in the middle of this, like God's everywhere and he's awesome. Right. Well, why are you hiding yourself? And in fact, David has a bunch of like, I, I think there are nine or 10 places in the Psalms where he says things like, you know, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Mm. Uh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Do not hide your face and forget us. Yeah. Right? Those are all different Psalms. So there's the idea of God hiding, it's this interesting sort of thing. And, and then you throw on top of that the way that Jesus comes into the world right? In a very hidden sort of way. I mean, um, in, mm-hmm. this, in this, he doesn't come in the middle of the Roman empire. He doesn't come at the palace of, of you know, Caesar. He comes in this this village, in this backwater province, in this backwater country. And even the village isn't very famous, right? I mean, right. it's just, you're just like, whoa. And then, and then the first people to see him are shepherds. They see angels, but who's going to believe shepherds? And the people that see him rise from the dead are women. Who's going to believe women? And, and then in, in the book of Mark, he, he walks around and he does these miracles and then he says, hey, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Right? I mean, and and then he describes his movement like it's this little bitty seed. It's a little batch of leaven and a whole bunch of dough. It's this, right? He, he uses images of hiddenness and smallness and like behind the scenesness. Yeah. You know, so, so even as Christians think, you know, Jesus is this beautiful and the most majestic revelation of God, even that was hidden. And then one time Jesus gets asked, well, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus gives this really enigmatic, well, you know, I'm kind of veiling the Truth from people who don't want to hear it. So, so there is this thread throughout the scriptures of the hiddenness of God, and again, that doesn't mean He's not there. It just means we we don't feel or sense His presence, even though we know intellectually He's there. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yes. So, so what I've been learning is that there are these there there clues. Uh, I talk a bit about this in Astonished. Uh, which was a book I wrote, but um, they're the, they're they're clues that kind of give us an inkling as to why there's hiddenness, why God hides Himself, and and one of them, and this theologically for those of you theology geeks, per- particularly of the Calvinistic sort of persuasion, uh, you're going to hate this. Um, how I'm going to say this, but God hides from us so that we might hide from Him. Hmm. Now, this isn't theologically precise. Or very accurate in terms of like you can't hide from a being who's everywhere. Right. But you get a picture with a, one of the first pictures you get of the of God's relationship to human beings is, is them it. hiding from Him exactly. Right. And God asking, well, where are you now? Of yeah. course, God knows, but there's mm-hmm. this sense in which God has to veil His His uh, glory and presence because His undiluted holiness would just blast us out of existence. I mean, there's just I don't know that human souls are capable. I mean, that's why God says, you know. Well, I, I can't show you my glory. You can see where I've been, right? right. I mean, I, you, no one can see my face and live. Right. I mean, there's the sense in which God has to hide Himself because of how majestic and glorious He is.
1: It's kind of thought I had earlier when you started in on this that that was kind of the, one of the first things I thought of. I was like, well, who could who could handle? The complete glory of God in constant motion. It, totally. it just feels like almost a, a mercy on humanity, and, and to move away from yes,
0: yeah. And if you're going to give those human beings some sort of freedom,
1: yes, you okay.
0: have you you have to restrict. It's like like we can control like sunflower and Seth. I mean, we can physically control them, right? We, we're big enough. We can make them do things, mm-hmm. but in order to allow them some sort of freedom. What do we do? We restrict our power Mm -hmm. so that they might move in a bit of freedom, correct? We still intervene, right? If Cindy's about to cross the street in the traffic, I mean, we're going to grab him. Um, um, But but in order to make room for freedom, we restrict our power. So there's a sense in which what I'm trying to get at is is one of the reasons that God hides, quote unquote, is so that we can hide from him. Like... Mm -hmm. And even you you have passages that kind of talk about how sinning is a form of hiding, you know, from God. Um, there, there's a sense in which, uh, like, like later on in Isaiah, there's like, um, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Like there there's like you'll see god withdraw his presence sometimes in the midst of rebellion sometimes in the midst of idolatry you'll see mm-hmm. god like in the old testament you'll see it like the the worst was when his presence physically left the temple mm-hmm. where he had been dwelling physically yeah. now again if you're not a disciple of jesus this is raising far more questions than it's mm-hmm. answering
1: mm-hmm. well and then, so mm-hmm. that that's interesting to me cuz is there that seems consistent with what we've spoken about in in, in regards to judgment you know, for it's like, you know, if if uh, the judgment of sin is basically sin itself, you know, for him to retract to be like, all right, I'm going to let this play out, yeah. you know, and if that's and it's kind of like. His mercy is then his reinterjection of right. kind of like now is the time for and then you real come into the realization of the course of what that and his that mercy has been.
0: and his mercy turns out to be the times when he when he feels absent too, mm. but but we'll get to that. Okay. But you're right. Just for now, it's enough to say well he has to be he has to be hidden in some way or we'd never exist. Yeah, I mean, because think about Jesus, right? There's this episode of Jesus where he is transfigured. On a mountain, his face shines; he glows. Well, one really interesting take on that is that Jesus didn't change there. Jesus just dropped the veil,
1: right? That's <laughs> okay. That's yeah. how he kind of okay.
0: normally is. Yeah, sure. But you know, because he, according to Philippians, took on the appearance of human. Even he was he was yeah. a human, but he also took on the appearance of a human. Right. Uh, He was just kind of letting his guard down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right.
1: (laughs) Right. Restricting his glory, restricting his power.
0: Exactly. Which is what, exactly what Paul is saying there in Philippians 2. But point, the point is, one clue is simply in order to allow us some sort of freedom, God has to limit but, but it simply in virtue of the kind of relationship he wants to have with humanity. He has to limit himself in some ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you know in a shorthand, imprecise way of saying that is God hides from us so that we can hide from him. Uh, there, there's also this teaching in the New Testament that God keeps things hidden until the time is right. Mm-hmm. like like um the you know Paul will use this he'll use this phrase mysterion and he'll he he means to describe the idea that that Jews and non-Jews were always meant to be saved together
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh and that fullness now is manifest in Jesus through the pouring out of the holy spirit on Jews and Gentiles Gentiles being non-Jews and so it's kind of like the idea you know if someone's throwing you a surprise party Everyone's going to pull back a little bit, you know. I mean, they, right. they don't tell you anything about it. They—they, they, you know, they—they're they're throwing you clues uh, that are t- intended to throw you off onto mm-hmm. other things. But no one says a word, mm-hmm. and why? It's so that you're surprised. It's so that so that um, the, the the timing isn't right. Yeah. So there's this deep. I don't know if it's deep, but there there seems to be this deep thread in the scriptures about God's timing for mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly the the revelation of himself through Jesus. But but I also think you can you can see it in the life of Paul in other times where God's like, you know, Paul's like, I want to go here. Nope, I, I want to go here, nope, that door's mm-hmm. closed. Then it's like, oh no, it's actually I want you over here because the time's right here. You know what I mean? So it's not just a God veiling himself issue. It could also be a timing issue that that, like, like, um, God doesn't, it's a good thing that God doesn't answer every prayer Mm -hmm. the way that we want or when it happens, Mm -hmm. right? There are prayers I've prayed before that I'm thrilled God didn't answer, Mm -hmm. but at the time, you know, they felt like life or death.
1: Right. Makes sense. Yeah. It it see, that seems consistent with like a transformative narrative. It's like, the idea of maturing i mean it, it's also saying like how how beneficial is always receiving the fullness and the abundance of something right rather than growing into something exactly. to fully be able to embody it i mean it's yes. that's yes. And, and you see that with the, yes. with the parable of wineskins, you see that in the way of becoming full i mean it, it just seems like even if in, in other deconstructive conversations like if if the um, and and in, even in a recent podcast we have, if if we look at the oldest earliest cultures and how more primitive in mindset, I mean, you, you know, you couldn't have just blasted that whole primitive culture right. with everything we have now. It simply would have made no sense. But rather in the progression in the narrative of the the story of Earth, right. It's it's this revealing process, this transformative process. And right. I mean that that's just, that just seems that seems to make sense to me. And, I
0: and, but and certain gifts aren't appreciated until you've reached a certain level of maturity. Yeah. So, so there's a sense, right? I mean, if you just, if you take that and you say, you know, um, uh, addiction, not dictionary, like that's a great gift. Um, (laughs) A video game system is going to be wasted on Seth. Yeah. Right. At eight, eight, you know, and with down syndrome, he's not, that's a waste of a present. Um, However, it was not wasted on big Nate. Right. So why? Because the timing isn't right. Yeah. Um, so there's this sense in which part of the maturing of us is the, is this waiting, you know, because God, Jesus presents God as a good father who gives good gifts, but there's a timing piece involved in mm-hmm. the giving of the gifts too. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. So, so clue one, he hides so that we have freedom to hide, I think in some strange way. Clue two, sometimes it's it's a timing issue. Mm-hmm. Clue three, and this one's weird. Well, I mean, I guess the whole conversation's weird, but this one is all over. This one is he hides so that we'll seek him. Like I want to I want to I want to write a book uh, called The First Game of Hide and Seek and it's about how yes, in the Bible God is the one who seeks us. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus even says, you know, the Father is seeking worshipers, worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. God initiates with Abraham. God initiate, I mean, God's not just waiting around. But there's another sense in which once he sought and found, there's a sense in which he invites us to pursue. Um, so so Jesus will say things like, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just one ask or seek or knock. It's this posture of asking or seeking or knocking. Or even when God is, is chastising Israel, he sent them into exile, at least the, the Southern two tribes, they're now in Babylon. And he says, listen, guys, for 70 years. I am going to not say a word. I'm going to hide my face. I'm not going to say a word. If anyone claims to speak for me, nope, they're not speaking for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of 70 years, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans, for, plans to prosper you and for your good. And then there's this big famous verse you know, that we kind of make fun of because right. everyone quotes that part, the, yeah. pl- the prospering part, but no one quotes the context of it, which is in exile and silence for 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> and then after 70 years, you will find me if you seek me. Mm-hmm. God is a God who seeks... But God is a God who wants to be sought. And you see this with Jesus too. Jesus just just didn't like if somebody if people had other options, Jesus didn't like force them to follow. Right? Jesus yeah. would would uh, in in fact there were times when Jesus would discourage people. He'd tell them to count the cost. He'd give them a hard teaching. I mean, uh, he'd like you had to want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's this interesting dynamic. God is the God who mm. seeks, but God is the God who wants to be sought. In fact, Paul has this interesting line. He says, and he's speaking um, in Athens in the book of Acts. He, and he says, and this is all filled with epi- Epicurean uh, and Stoic philosophy, and he's, he's kind of rebutting different pieces of their worldview as he says things like this. But he says, from one man, God uh, made all the nations, um, and, uh, let's see from one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history, the boundaries of their lands. And he did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though. He is not far from each one of us. It's not just enough. You know, we kind of have this, uh, at least in Christian circles, um, it, particularly in church, this sort of like, I'm going to sit back, cross my arms, wait to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit back and, you know, as long as it's easy, I'll follow. As long as it's simple, I'll follow. As long as it's on my terms, I'll follow. Yeah. So one of the reasons why God desires to be sought is to get us out of that, Hmm. right? To get us out of the consumer mindset, to get us out of, well, you know, if God's really that interested, then, you know, he can, I mean, you know, it's like dating.
1: Right. See, like this is, I'm so glad you said, this is exactly what I was thinking in the past five minutes. Like it's. The embodiment of the image of God means you become a creator and a preserver and you stop being a consumer and a destroyer because you get put on this earth, earth and you just – you all you know to do is to take. Now, right. there's innate talents and gifts in which people are creative or they, right. they get inspired right. to whatever. But it seems like so core to the Christian faith of reorientation, of acceptance and uh, – uh, uh, Yep. What's the repentance? Yes. You you know, it's, it's that what you become all of a sudden is then these, these building blocks to a fullness. Cause it's like, you come, it's, it's interesting. Like, and there's so many other ways this has been said, but you, you end up coming to Jesus kind of empty. You know, you get to this point where it's like, I got nothing. I'm, I'm meeting Jesus at the end of my rope. But it seems like the walk after that then becomes a process of becoming full by him. Right. But that so happens by asking, by pursuing, by not just trying to like orient your life to take. Right. You know, it becomes then a life to give, a life to try to, you know, preserve and all of those types of types of things. And um that seems so consistent with that. Yep. That idea.
0: Well, it's the nature of relationships. It's the nature of the kind of relationship God wants to have with people. It's based on faith. But again, faith, not in contract terms, faith in covenant terms, mm-hmm. that it's mutual. Yes. That there's there's a mutuality to it. Now, obviously, it'll never be that. But th- there seems to be this sense that where Jesus would make it hard. You know, it's like you gotta you got to want to do this. And if you have other options, great. He's not going to beg you, bribe you, manipulate you, coerce you. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. That's yeah. the way love works. If if love... <laughs> you keep turning me up and down because I keep moving. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, if love is the greatest good, right? Love God, love neighbor. Right. Uh, love requires this. Yeah. Um, and and one of the ways we get formed into loving people is by seeking, um, responding to, pursuing. And, and this takes us really... And this culminates kind of in, in clue number four because you're 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 actually um, anticipating it. It's that God uses times of distance to form us into the kinds of people who actually see the reward of Jesus as Jesus and not the gifts of Jesus. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so there's this thing called the dark night of the soul, and um, I and and it's this ancient spiritual concept uh written by mystics and desert fathers and mothers you know back in the in the in the day um and, and it was the idea that when you first come to god you come out of self-interest right you're not mm-hmm. coming because i'm convinced that jesus is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end right. And, right you're coming because oh i i'm a mess and i need fixing I'm full of darkness. I need cleansing. I am sick. I need healing, right? right. I need forgiving. I need. So you're coming with self interest in view. And God rewards that very often by manifesting his presence so readily to train us in the proper discipline. So when you hmm. first start learning, like I just remember, I first started learning theology, I could not get enough of the Bible. I just ate it up. I'm like, my goodness, this is crazy. This is awesome, I don't understand. I mean, it was just magic where there've been seasons where prayer has just felt electric when God's like, dude, I'm in for anything. Mm-hmm. You say it, I'm good, let's do it. Yeah. There've been times when worship's felt that way or, or you know, being part of a, a community's felt that way and God according to these ancients is kind of rewarding and building the proper habits that transform us more and more into his image so he's allowing mm-hmm. us to taste what when when we're running on spiritual energy and not just you know physical energy yeah but the danger of that is that we we get hooked on the spiritual energy, we get hooked on the adrenaline, we get hooked on the feeling of yes, worship, we get yes. hooked on the the man that was a killer service, and and so much of our church tries to manufacture this, right? Yes, This sense of oh man, God was here and it was amazing, and we use lights and sound and you know and and hallelujah for all of it, but there has to come a point when you don't need lights and sounds and the kind of music you like and the kind of teaching you like in order to be faithful and to be fully devoted to Jesus.
1: Right. Like to me, those things don't foster curiosity. It's like they're, they're predetermined conclusions that if I experience it this way, then God will show up. But at
0: first, but but at first it's exactly what we need right it's it's the same way you would you would raise an infant right when the infant asks for food you feed them right when the infant asks for help you help them right but
1: but if they're still doing that at 16 right you've done something bad right but and that's that's and that's that's a perfect picture because the what we know is then the fulfillment the fulfillment of the pursuit it, it, well it, that's where it's because we're in the father-child relationship. We know the betterness of being able to feed ourselves. Right. You know, it's right. like, it's, that's right. where, but you can't like try to put that, like you just said, on an infant, like, oh, you right. should know how good it is to be able to feed yourself. No. Why don't you just get up and go to the fridge and no. get, you, 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 you simply cannot do it. Nope. You lead them to it. And at right. some point,
0: every good parent says, nope, you got to do this for yourself you got to do this for yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to do this by by yourself. Yeah. And it's not it's because of love that they do this, not mm-hmm. in spite of love. So, the idea is that there are times when when God withdraws the spiritual adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And the ancients called called those times desolation. Okay. <laughs> the times where he the spiritual adrenaline was there, it was consolation, desolation was the time when his felt, you could not feel his presence and prayer didn't seem all that great and Bible and you know whatever, seemed awful. And that those... And their big point, at least as I understand it, is their big point is that desolation, the, the dark night is just as much a gift of grace as is consolation. Why? Mm. Because you're learning to value the giver and not the gift. You're learning to value... Yeah. You're learning the reward of following Jesus is jesus it's not peace patience kindness goodness blessing prosperity health it's none of those things right it's it's jesus himself yes right which which you know and again we use human analogies but because this is the way god has wired us right in in a marriage if you're only in the marriage for what you're getting out of it divorce is certainly and closely in your future
1: right it seems fruit is a, a determiner of its source Meaning, like, when Jesus Boom. speaks of, like, the vine, I mean, he even talks about resist how, how grapes and vineyards grow. You actually have to strain the vine, um, and this is consistent in wine culture. Like, you, you, you pull water out of it because it actually forces upon it new types of growth. Right. So, and in the same way if like, kind of assimilating the idea of, like, determining, okay— the goal isn't to have fruit. The goal is to be the vine itself right. to be connected to that source. So like, come on, you would identify, come on. It, it's like, it's to be a tree. Come on, if, Andy. if Jesus is a tree, not, you're not an apple of the tree. It's right. like, no, you are a tree. Like Christ is a tree or a vine in that, in that kind of way that, that, that also that picture lines up with that. For me, <laughs> wow. So that's, I mean, that's, and but that parable is consistent with the very thing we just said about resistance and how, right. how gra- I mean, you know, there's that whole you know metaphor of of the vine that's beautiful that yep. actually culminates almost that entire conversation. So it seems. It seems. So for me, um, there is a deep
0: application of this in, in it, it, just in a season of man, I've asked God to speak, I've, I've, I try praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm starting to journal again, you know, I'm going to counseling, I'm blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it just doesn't seem all that great. And, uh, and so, so I've learned some lessons. So if you find yourself in a place like this, is it possible that you don't sense God's presence because you are living in outright rebellion to him? absolutely so we always want to consider uh the fact that you know it is possible to grieve the spirit of god and quench the spirit of god in us um but but i'm not talking about those instances i'm talking about the instances where there's no obvious like ongoing thing and you still just kind of feel like well it just doesn't feel like it used to be i feel distant i'm worried about this whatever Mm. so some some thoughts first thought it's very easy, and, and, and I, I know the right answers because I get paid to know the right answers. Um, it's very easy to know that it's not your fault or that you you didn't do anything to deserve it, but I, it's tough to not feel that way. Um, I had a woman who um, uh, is a teacher at uh, the school where my wife teaches, and, and she's not particularly close to my wife. I mean, I don't, I don't think... You know, they're they're very good friends or whatever. And uh, one day I was picking the kids up. She comes up to me and uh, she just says, hey, I've been praying for you. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know you knew anything that was going on. And she's like, um, and I feel like God told me some stuff. Now, again, some of you come from traditions where this is just kooky. I get that. Some of you are, you know, not Jesus followers at all. And you're like, you know, this is why I don't follow Jesus. Some of you are like, well, of course he does. But in, in, in this tradition, this, this, uh, this, uh, this woman just said, hey, I, you know, could, I felt like God was saying, he hasn't stacked the deck against you. Um, he's, not, he's not opposed to you. He's not punishing you. Uh, this is something else. And, uh, and, and I realized after I heard that, I was like, oh, I, I, I really needed to hear that, right? Uh, there was a sense in which the reason I wanted to do this topic is to, to, to fight for the freedom for those of us who are in this space. And if we've never, never have, we will be to, to realize this isn't, this isn't, you can't automatically equate this season with bad, right? There, there could be something else going on that's actually really good. We just don't know. And, um, and so one of the things I've been learning is to try to live in the idea that uh, God hasn't set this up you know cuz I, I i as much as i believe that god is good I, i'm always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah you know like okay it, you know it's been several years since anything bad happened i know this is what happens in life so what's next yeah. right and um and getting hit with a heart issue and a cancer issue within a month of each other it, it, and then you know the anxiety that came with that and all that jazz i mean it just i i just felt like damn i mean
1: what what's going on? Yeah. That was a shoe. That was, that was a <laughs> shoe.
0: Now there are other shoes. I have, a, I have one of my dearest friends, um, from early in my life is watching his 45 year old wife die over these next two weeks from a year long battle with, with cancer. That is just awful. Now that's a shoe. Yeah. These are what I got. That's not a shoe, but it feels like a shoe. Cause that's all I got. And so to, to, to fight the battle, to believe that God, um, that, that God is good and that God isn't punishing. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do this was to open up the possibility because my wife said something and you guys have all affirmed it. My wife, when, it, when, when all this first happened, the anxiety, the thing, everything, my wife said, and, and I, think, I think these words are true. She said, could, uh, could you be open to the possibility that this is all God's mercy to you? That you're not in good shape and you need to get in shape. That you don't take care of yourself and you need to take care of yourself. That you've lived in fear your whole life and and that needs to be healed. Mm. Are you open to the possibility that even though this feels like horrible horse manure, that there's something good going on? And now, theoretically, of course. Emotionally, not so much. But the the longer I'm sitting in this, the more I'm like, I think that's probably true. And, Mm. And it requires unfortunately this sort of instigation because i i'm not going to go to these places by myself right Right. i'm just not i mean life is good i want to keep it as good and comfortable and convenient for as long as possible i do not want to go into the deep stuff i do not want to go into the deep weeds i do not want to see the ugliness of my heart i do not want to be confronted with my fear and anxiety i don't want to be confronted with the fact that i'm not indestructible um (laughs) I, I, I just want to be okay. And, Hmm. um, you know, to, for God to, I don't think he causes these things. I mean, my son was like, do you think dad that God gave you this? I'm like, no, I was fat. Um, this is what happens, (laughs) (laughs) you know? No, I didn't wear sunscreen. I mean, but I think God can arrange these things. So that good, comes Mm -hmm. right we believe god is good evil is evil and god will always bring good out of evil so i don't think cancer is a good thing i don't think heart irregularities are good things Yeah. but man what he can do with that stuff is Mm -hmm. is pretty outstanding
1: yeah that's where that's that's all that's I, i can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast before it just like the idea of, of what God permisses, you know, oh, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. like, you, you know, permits like yep. that's just, yep. it, it's fascinating. Cause obviously we, we don't say that God is the author of evil, but he permits other wills to take place. Yep. And out of the things that happen, he creates good. Right. But it's, it's just that. But it's like when it, my smoking dad, you know, got cancer. I right. Mean, it's
0: kind of like, is that God? You know, it's when Mikey who's overweight starts training for a Spartan race, you right. Know, at well over 300 pounds. Is that, was that super smart, right Now it, it could be grace that I didn't keel over dead, yeah, and it could be grace that God or that my dad lived as long as he did, right, but at some point, God's built into the universe this kind of reaping and sowing thing, right Not, now there I'm, I'm sure he intervenes way more than we'd ever know, yeah.
1: Absolutely. I just think it's an interesting part of the human condition that we have a hard time separating responsibility from permitting. You right, know, it's kind right, of like we right. absolutely hold God hostage of like, well, but if you're permitting it, then you're still responsible if you have the power to do otherwise. Correct. Like that's just, that, yes. that's just a massive tension in, in the human condition.
0: Yep. And until those people become parents and they have to make those choices for their kids, it's tough yes. to understand yes. where permitting them to make a poor decision actually in the long run is a much better thing. Right, but only if you're playing the long game. Yes. So short term, no. It feels yeah. feels horrific,
1: and, and and absolutely that kind of thing could be vindictive. There could be times well, where obviously doing that is from from a human to another human is like absolutely inappropriate. Right. Um, right. Right. But right. I think that's that's just it. We we see that very present in our own lives on this in this world, and it's it's hard to detach. Or it's it's hard to not draw a straight line to God in those same kinds of moments. Absolutely.
0: And 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 God is big enough, gracious enough, and beautiful enough to take it. Right. But part of what you've got a war against, and part of the reason I wanted to have this little kind of weird conversation was to go, Ah, I don't there could be other reasons than he just being mad or bad sure. or yeah, whatever. Absolutely. Second second thing is um typically Christians pray well, I shouldn't say Christians. I, I've the 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 people I've been exposed to, the churches I've been exposed to. We don't really know how to pray ugly prayers that God really seems to like. Right? I mean, you read the Psalms and and there's like all sorts of yelling. Um, it doesn't come across as yelling, but in Hebrew it would have been yelling, right? Or yeah, like the book of Lamentations or the end of Habakkuk or second chapter of Habakkuk. I mean, there are these like indictments. I mean the book of Job, right? No one really prays like that. And so one of the one of the things I've learned to do is to pray more honestly. And learn to lament and learn to grieve, things that I just, you know, we, we talk a lot about on the podcast in the church, but we're not always, you know, in the place where, you know, we're instructed on how best to do this. Yeah. And so so I've learned to pray uh, big, um, honest prayers. In yeah. fact, I had a spiritual director once say, you should really learn how to cuss when you pray. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't do that. Does that just feel? No, I can't. I cannot do this. She's like, well, let me give you a couple examples (laughs) in the Bible that are just real interesting. You know, how would you translate this? Yeah. So, so uh, anyway, I mean, uh, you get the point. That's
1: funny. For those of you out there hearing this, I'm looking forward to um, memes on Twitter for ugly prey. Ugly prey. Yeah, ugly Cry? Yeah, we would love to start a hashtag that's under ugly prey. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. That would be awesome. That would be so funny.
0: The gen. All right. The only the Gen Xers will remember. When Nancy Kerrigan uh, got got hit by this guy that was like either like hired by Tanya Harding before the '92 Olympics, remember this? She had the Winter Games.
1: Of course, the thirty for thirty on it's awesome.
0: It is awesome, but but I remember Nancy Kerrigan. She was sitting on the ice. I just thought she was beautiful, but she's she's like this ugly like why oh,
1: why why <laughs> right i mean it's
0: just that's ugly that's yeah so so i had one of those like two nights ago where uh. i don't know why i was just so depressed and 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 just she's like are you okay and i just start weeping and and you know my little girl comes out and she's like dad it's okay and i'm like i know it's okay you know and uh, you know, I mean, I'm. You know, they're all tender, but I'm doing the Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> why, why, why? Right? And 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 I did that for I don't know, maybe half an hour. It was total like self pity, so, like feeling sorry for myself.
1: And then I just felt I felt so much better. and, and then when, I'm when, when so Sorry, I'm laughing. My face hurts. It's so... <laughs> Because I know exactly what you're talking about. This I'm, is, a, I'm then imagining you. And I this it. is the this is the kind of compassion. This is see. This
0: is who Andy really is. Uh. <laughs> and then, so so, I, I think we have a great deal of permission. Is my point? Yeah. To to like. Cry those prayers. I mean, just an ugly pray. Yep, ugly pray. Ugly pray, man. Snots everywhere and bubbles and
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. So speaking in tongues is, is a whole new makeup of other four letter words. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I still
0: I still don't cuss. I still don't. I haven't been able to do that yet.
1: I think I've done it when I you think pray. I've done it. I. I. There's been a few. Um, there's been a few moments in the past couple of years of, of hard tension stuff where, yeah, I, I definitely clearly
0: not when you were praying for me because the uh, empathy is non-existent. Yeah, right there. I
1: wasn't that compassionate at that. for you
0: know. <laughs> No, I usually, I usually do it. If I'm going to cuss, I'm, I'm usually going to do that uh, during worship songs. Hmm. All right. No, I don't. I I actually don't do that either. Okay, I'm always afraid as a public speaker that if I get used to cussing a lot, like it'll slip out sometime. You know, on stage. Yeah. So I was like, ah, okay, I better not. Anyway, one last point, and this is the most important point. How how much time are we, Andy? I feel like I've been rambling. Forty-five. Okay. Um. Uh. Here's what I've learned. The biggest lesson I've learned uh, in this time is simply this. Well, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read some C.S. Lewis. Oh. You remember this? He's got quotes. Oh, my goodness. He's got quotes. But <laughs> I, this, I do remember this. This, this is, is from good. Prince Caspian. Yeah. So if you've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, it's about four British school children um, who find themselves in this magical world um, ruled by a white witch and at least initially, but, uh, the, the, the Jesus figure in this is uh, a lion called, called the Aslan or Aslan, depending. I'll call him Aslan. And, uh, the kids have these different adventures and Lewis uses these as, as metaphors and pictures, uh, of faith. So in this particular episode, um, the, the four kids have been brought to Narnia unexpectedly but they can't find Aslan anywhere. They don't know where he's been, and they're they're on this mission, and they can't find him. And, and then they're they're at this fork, like they're on a ridge, uh, looking uh, across a valley, and on the other ridge, the youngest of uh, the four siblings, Lucy, uh, sees Aslan, but none of the other children um, see Aslan. Mm-hmm. And so here's here's kind of we pick it up. Look! 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 Cried Lucy. Where? What? asked everyone the lion said lucy aslan himself didn't you see her face had changed completely and her eyes shone do you really mean began peter he was the oldest where did you think you saw him asked susan the second oldest they'll talk like a grown-up said lucy i didn't think i saw him i saw him where, Lou? Asked Peter. Right up there between the, those mountain ashes. No, this side of the gorge and up, not down. Just the opposite of the way you want to go. And he wanted us to go where he was, up there. So what there's, they're, they're at this place where they have to decide to go up or down. Down is the, the easier path. Up looks really hard and difficult. How do you know that was what he wanted? Asked Edmund, who is the third oldest. He, I, I just know, said Lucy by his face. The others all looked at each other in puzzled silence and they ended up taking a vote and they all vote against Lucy. Mm-hmm. And so they go down. Now down turns out to be tragic. They, they, they are roughed up. They're lost. They, they get bumped around. And so they trudged their way back up to where they were that morning. That same decision point up or down. They went down. It was horrible. They came back up and they're now asleep, exhausted, um, having made the wrong decision. Aslan wakes Lucy up in the middle of the night. I won't read it. And has this conversation with her that said, hey, I don't care if the other kids came. You should have come. You saw me. You should have come. But I need you to come with me now. Wake, go wake mm-hmm. the other kids. So she, uh, when the whole party was finally awake, Lucy had to tell her story for the fourth time. (laughs) The blank silence which followed was discouraging as anything could be. I can't see anything, said Peter after he stared his eyes sore. They're looking for Aslan. Only Lucy can see him. Can you, Susan? No, of course I can't, snapped Susan, because there isn't anything to see. She's been dreaming. Hmm. Do lie down, Lucy, and go to sleep. I do hope, said Lucy in a tremulous voice, that you will all come with me because, because I have to go with him, whether anyone else does or not. Don't talk nonsense, Lucy. Of course you can't go off on your own. Don't let her, Peter. She's being downright naughty. I'll go with her if she must go, said Edmund. She's been right before. And so she begins, she convinces, she, she just goes. And so she, the, the other four follow, or the other three follow. And what beca- begins to happen is that Lucy at first is the only one that can see Aslan, but the longer the others follow Lucy, they begin to see the faintest outlines of Aslan himself. So halfway down the path, Edmund caught up with her. Look, 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 what's that shadow crawling down in front of us? It's his shadow, said Lucy. I do believe you're right, Lou. I I can't think how I didn't see it before, but, but where is he? Well, with his shadow, of course, can't you see him? Well, I almost thought I did for a moment. It's such bad light. And they, and they keep going. Then the Susan will see, and then Peter will see, until finally they all see Aslan. Now, besides just exercising my reader's theater chops, <laughs> that story has been so powerful to me because... It teaches the following lesson that I think is the most important part of this podcast: when you can't see yourself, follow others who can. So, so I'm not in the place of Lucy. I'm not seeing Jesus clearly. I'm not hearing Jesus clearly. I'm not right. Um, and and I'm instead in the place of one of these other children who's sitting there going, "Okay, well, I'm not quite sure," <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and so I've 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 got people in my life. Who God in some ways has brought just miraculously, in other ways, you know, they've been friends like like Andy um, and uh, the Vox team, um, but they they see and hear on my behalf, and and so they um, they've been uh, unbelievably helpful, and God has spoken through them so directly to me. Um, in fact, uh, you know, this this is probably kooky. But um, there have been four main sort of things that have been agreed upon by all these different and random, like just people coming up and saying things. One is um, that uh, okay, what's the what's the first one? The first one is that God is listening, and so I've learned to pray ugly. <laughs> I've, I pray ugly. I pray ugly. You ugly pray. Ugly pray, and uh, and that. Because a number of people have just said, just God wants you to know that he's listening hmm. and uh, tell him what you need. And so I make lists almost every day of things I need, hmm. you know, and, and they're selfish or they're dumb or they're huge. Um, but I've lived in that. I'm like, well, okay, if I really believed that that God is listening, what would I say? What would I ask for? Second one is um, is uh, a, a sense that... that and i and this is so going to sound egotistic and I'm, please forgive me or narcissistic i should say um but but there was a sense that i needed to go through this that that um i thought the the person i am is a i thought that person was a lot better than that person actually is
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and uh I have this have this great counselor who, who had this line, she's just like, you know, God's given you great gifts and he doesn't want you to waste them on your ego. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, well, that has the ring of Jesus, you know, truly. <laughs> I mean, that's like, wow, okay. And and, you know, quite possibly have done that. Um so there's a there's a sense of where God, why I want to learn the lessons, you know. If there are lessons here, teach me. Yeah. Um, if there's healing here, help me fight for it. Whatever my part is. If there's repentance here, help me do repentance. If there's yeah. if there's uh, if there if I need to listen, help me listen. Third part, and, and this is I know freaky for some of you, so please forgive me. I feel dumb even sharing this. I'm going to look at Andy afterwards and say, should we keep this? And Andy will say, <laughs> yes, we'll keep it, and then it'll still be here. But there was a sense in which I do believe there is active resistance against the things of God on planet Earth. Mm. And um, that, that 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 whether or not you know <laughs> this is part of it, certainly the resistance adds to darkness when you're there already. Yeah. So so what's that mean? How do I how do I live in a way that revolts against the darkness? How do I how do I mend relationships and deal with unforgiveness and mm. you know what I mean? Any yeah. any any avenues in which darkness. Can add to the darkness, you know um, so that's been really good and then and then the fourth thing has has been hanging on to this thing that you've said and that my wife said it's all mercy so so I make a list of just thanks thanks for I want to get to the place where I say thanks for anxiety I want to get to the place where I say thanks for melanoma mm-hmm. I want to get to the place where I say thanks for afib I want to get to the place where I say thanks you know for um, depression and sadness and i'm not I'm not there, not even remotely. But I begin to practice, you know, and I begin to say the words, and God knows I don't mean them, uh, but I say them. And I begin to thank Him for all sorts of, of little and big things. And so, so my point in listing those four things the, has been that those things have come from other people because they've been listening and walking with Aslan, even though I can't, you know, I barely see a shadow. And, um, and so, for those of you that are wandering around in the darkness, right, mm. find good people, humble people that you trust that are, that are seeing and hearing, and, um, and then ask them to see and hear for you. Mm. And uh, I found that just to be incredibly helpful. So, mm. all that is to say, uh, this isn't, you know, th- I always feel weird sharing uh, this stuff. Because uh, I don't want to overdo it, and certainly, you know, I have a therapist to work out my issues. But I do th- just because I think this issue is so prevalent, it felt like it was worth talking about. So, um, and you know, and in, in the hope that it helps, man, may it help. Uh,
1: anything you want to add, Andy Bear, before we wrap it up? Um, specific kind of, I mean, just just to your last point. I mean, it was it was interesting. I mean, there's. That's, I could say on the other side of that, that has just been such an interesting, it's been a really interesting process. One that we've, we've shared together that doing this, this way has felt, um, incredibly unnatural, but consistent. It seems like to what gospel is. And what what do you
0: mean doing, doing what this way? Well,
1: the the fact that you've been vulnerable with us, you've been transparent with us. I mean, you know, one thing Mike had shared with us during this time was on some of his walks and, and praying and, you know, hearing things that, you know, he would say, like, you know, I, I think this is something that Jesus said. And something you shared was that I've actually kind of stopped praying because I'm afraid of what he'll say. <laughs> and, and that's that's that that was I remember hearing that. And it was just interesting because it's, um, you know, to then for us to kind of sit in that and hear what we've been hearing and speak, right. speak to what we've been hearing. And um. I would I have to say I have to say thank you for also deciding to walk into all this stuff this way at the same time because it's taught me so much I know it's taught our team so much yes. of what it means to be a you know doing a church but then also finding a place where we really can talk about anything and it's safe to talk about anything and um it it speaks so much more to just the um this this overwhelmed um idea that by being weak, being vulnerable and being transparent is not valuable in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And that we always have to put on the perfect Christian hat when you step on stage and I want the you get out there. I want And it. you know, it's just, um,
0: I want the smile of Osteen. I want the, I want the, the guns of Furtick. <laughs> I want the, the book royalties of Warren and the volume of Driscoll and the, well, <laughs> the fashion style of bell
1: Man, um, the
0: passion of Chan.
1: Yeah. All, yeah. all that, you know, it just all, all that to say is that everything you're saying, no, none of this has been easy. None of this has been easy for you. None of this has been easy for us. But I think it's learning how to even for us to walk in trying to find like really receive and identify blessing and to identify thankfulness in it is now that is that's interesting. Hmm. And that hasn't been something that I've been taught to practice in my entire life of Christianity. I've been taught to accept it. Right. And I then I have to learn how to overcome it and believe it can be overcome. Oh, that's and so that, me. You know? And yep. so um yep. that just to me wages war against that idea and and that idea does not seem consistent in the kingdom of God. And so that's just been um it has been a very compelling um and that's where we are. That's the season that we're in. Let me tell you what it
0: sucks donkey feet right now. Ew. It does. That is gross. Although you've had it easy, man. You got Shepard. I mean, don't tell me you're <laughs> oh, Dutch yeah, I've in had the it playoffs. Easy. I've three kids. Yeah, I have three well, kids. I've had um, three kids yeah. for a lot longer. Yeah, I know. It's you, you're gonna make it. You've <laughs> yep, got hair. I think so. You have skin that does not like promote melanoma. I, you've, you've got a you've maybe. Got a, you've got a Filipino heart. I'm still young. Nah, uh, yeah. Who knows? I uh, know. I got issues. That's true. Um, <laughs> all right brothers and sisters so enough about us. Let's get out of here. Let's let's talk more. Um, may the lord bless you and keep you. May the lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the lord lift up his countenance to you and may he give you
1: peace. Amen. And amen until next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the vox podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.